Hello there, Marketing Sweats fans. Misty here. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Season 8. I'm super excited about this season because I'm talking with local leaders about work that's close to all of our hearts, the Choose Greater Peoria movement. My guest today is Nikki Romaine, the Executive Director of Art, Inc., Nikki and her husband, Jonathan, started the Romaine Arts and Culture Center in 2018 to inspire and empower the community through arts, education, and culture. They've been pouring themselves into this community, offering after-school programs, specialty classes, and spring and summer camp, arts workshops, field trips programs, and more to help children and youth throughout the Peoria area, regardless of their ability to pay. In addition to working with youth, Nikki's also committed to empowering women. Art Inc. has hosted That's What She Said Peoria for the last two years, and I had the opportunity to join the cast of women supporting women earlier this spring. So I'm excited to sit down with Nikki and chat about all the good things Art Inc. has brought to the community and her involvement in the Choose Greater Peoria initiative. Nikki's talent as an actor, singer, writer, and voiceover artist has taken her across the country from LA to Orange County, Chicago, and Miami, and even abroad. Yet, she'll still tell you Peoria feels like home. So let's dive right in and find out why she's so drawn to the area and why she's committed to helping the women and youth here thrive to reach their full potential. Okay, today I am here with Nikki Romaine. She is the Executive Director of Art Inc., which stands for Artists Reenvisioning Tomorrow. Welcome, Nikki. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Well, you and I know each other well. We've spent quite a bit of time together. We'll talk a little bit about that, but I always start with your story. So tell me a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? And tell me a little bit about your upbringing. Sure. So I was, yeah, I was raised in, well, I was born in Chicago. Funny story. My parents were actually living in Atlanta and my mom came home because they were like having a little disagreement. Sure. <laughs> so they're both from Chicago, but they were living in Atlanta. Then she had me. Okay. And then they were like, oh, the baby. <laughs> and so they, you know, she went back to Atlanta and they lasted two years. Okay. <laughs> so then she moved back to Chicago where they're from. And so that became my bounce between Atlanta, Chicago, Atlanta, oh, Chicago. Wow. Then my mom moved to Texas. So we threw Texas in there. So basically I was raised in Chicago, Atlanta and Texas. Oh my God. <laughs> How did that inform you? And like, so. I actually had a friend of mine when I was doing my acting stuff write a bio for me and she said her nomadic upbringing gave her fierce social skills. Ooh, I love that. Because <laughs> you probably just had to make friends wherever you Oh went. God, yeah. And so my brother and I, I have an older brother, but we're six years apart. Okay. So he left the picture, meaning like he went on in sure. adulthood when I was in sixth grade, I think it was. Okay. He went to the army. And so, yeah, from there on, it was just, it was just me. Yeah. And that is junior high. Okay. Right. So that was rough. a tough time. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the age gap between my sister and I. And so I oh, totally feel that because I yeah. missed most of her junior high and high school years. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. So it was just me. And yeah, I always had to make new friends and be the new person at school. I changed schools from second grade into my sophomore year in high school oh every year. What do you remember about that? Being lonely. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and just always like, I always wanted to be popular. Sure. Because I was like, everyone that I knew knew each other. And I'm like, I want to be like that. Had their circles, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I remember music. Music was my safe space. Okay. Because in the midst of that, I also endured homelessness. I endured domestic violence between my mom and her second husband. I endured a lot of different things. Sexual assault between the second grade to sophomore year in high school. And by the sophomore year in high school, mid-year, I had been sexually assaulted. I had attempted suicide. So all of that happened in this span. 
So okay. from second grade to sophomore, I just had been enduring all of these different things and music was my safe space. So I would sing to the top of my lungs in my room and play music. And that became my safe space, just singing. I loved it. So I always thought that I would be like Claire Huxtable and be an attorney. Okay. <laughs> and then I would sing with Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey on oh the weekends. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. <laughs> and it, it says a lot about you because you do, you have the ability to enter a room and just make friends with people. You can talk to anybody. And so you learn yeah, that I had skill. To. Yeah. <laughs> So where did you go to high school and then college or you yep. went to... So I started out high school in Chicago at Hyde Park. Okay. And then I transferred my sophomore year. I went to, I moved to Aurora. So my dad had moved back to Chicago and I was living with him. Okay. And I don't think he could handle a teenage girl. <laughs> so I was sent to live with my mom in Aurora. Okay. <laughs> and so that was my sophomore year. My mom had a boyfriend at the time and that's actually who sexually assaulted me. And then my sophomore year that teacher, my choir teacher, because I love singing, she said, I need you to audition for the musical. And I was like, I don't do musicals. They're cheesy and they're stupid. Right. I don't care about Joseph or his stupid coat. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and she said, you know what? I don't care. I'll see you at three o'clock. So I auditioned for the musical and that changed and saved my life. So from that point on, when I stepped on stage, like the rehearsals, it was like, okay. And I got the lead role, of the narrator. I'm like, okay, but I really didn't know what that meant. But when I stepped on stage and did those three nights, I was like, this is the feeling. It's like a high. I was mm -hmm. like, I don't ever want this feeling to go away. It's amazing. And so I went on to graduate and I pursued musical theater. I started out at UNLV in Vegas. That was not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up finishing at Columbia College in Chicago, which is very artsy. And I was right at home. While I was in college, I auditioned for a choir that took me on tour in Northern Italy. And after that tour, I said, forget college. I want to do this. Like, this is what I want to do yeah. because I loved flying all over and living out of a suitcase. Like I was like, this is really cool. And so I packed up my car and I moved to LA. That's amazing. Didn't know a soul. Okay. So tell me that part of your story. <laughs> so you get to LA, then what? So I get to LA and I was supposed to, I had a roommate that I was with and she bailed on me. I only had enough money to go half on everything. Sure. So just so happens, remember I went to school in Vegas. Right. So I went to Vegas for about six or seven months to save up money and stayed with a friend, the friend that I lived with in college. And I started temping at this mortgage company and the two owners just like, I don't know. They kind of, they were like big brothers to me and they happened to be from LA. Okay. And so they were trying to make me a broker oh. and I was like, nope, that's not what I want to do. And they're like, oh, Nikki, you got the bug too. Like, right, come right. on. I'm like, nope, I'm moving to LA. I'm going to be an actress. So they took me under their wings and they introduced me to people in LA and they told me what areas to stay away from. They literally went apartment hunting with me because oh they God. were like worried about me. And so my first apartment was in Altadena, which is right outside of Pasadena. And yeah, I got my very first apartment in LA, didn't know a soul. I auditioned for my first play, which was for colored girls who have considered suicide. It's an all black female cast. Wow. And from there, I developed a lot of friendships that I have into this day. My second play was actually uh, Still Magnolias. I was Shelby. And Muhammad Ali's daughter was my mom. So I got to meet Muhammad Ali. He came to see the cast. No way. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. So you were telling me before we got started, though, you had agents after agents. And talk about that stage of your oh career. Like, how long were you in the business, <laughs> if you will? So even while I was in college, I had agents. But sometimes 
when you're going through your senior year, they want you to solely focus. So I had to drop my agents. And then you have a senior showcase. And from that senior showcase, that's where I got repped by Stuart Talent, which is like a major talent agency in Chicago. And from there, I started getting gigs in Chicago. Um, But that was actually the second time. (laughs) So I moved to LA, did a stint there. Then I came back and finished school at Columbia. And that is when I got repped by Stuart. So when I was in LA the first time, I really just did a lot of plays, got really into the theater community there. And I had one of the plays, the one still Magnolia's, the lady that played Weezer. (laughs) She had a really good agent. So I actually took my resume to her agent. She brought me in and he was phenomenal. Sid Levine, he's this old Jewish guy. He was so awesome. And I remember being really... um, like it was a struggle, you know, but mm. I was really getting some really good stuff, but I just wasn't hitting it. Right. And I remember like I had lost my apartment. I was staying at a friend's house and I was just crying on a phone, a pay phone, mind you, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> to Sid. And I was like, he's like, I was like, I just feel like I should go home. He's like, you know, the only people I know that didn't make it are the ones that went home. Oh my gosh. And I got this booking right after that. Yeah. I booked, I shot it, and then the daggone thing got canceled. Oh. Yes. I was like, oh my God. And then at that point, I was like, you know what? I feel like I really want to get my degree and just go back to school. So I went back to school in Chicago. And then that's when I got repped by Stewart and started doing more theater in Chicago. That also gave me more confidence. Went back to LA again. And this time I did a lot of, I did a lot of theater. I did a lot of commercial work and I got into doing my own stuff, yeah. which was really cool. So I started doing projects with my friends. We did a superhero web series called She Rose for black female superheroes doing kicking butt. That's it was cool. totally amazing. And then I also wrote my one woman show, which catapulted into this just amazing experience. It saved me. I wrote it because I wanted to save others, but I didn't know that it was going to save me in the process right. because I went into a workshop saying, you know what? I don't want to talk about my life. I just want to showcase my skills. I want to sing. I want to be funny. You know, right. <laughs> I told the teacher all these things and she's like, okay. Yeah. And by the end, what happened, it was this workshop where you do just a lot of writing and all of the stories that resonated with the people in the class were the stories of my life. Right. So I was like, oh, shoot, I guess I got to tell my story. (laughs) Well, and that's how you and I met because now you get to pay it forward through your that's what she said involvement. Absolutely. And so talk a little bit about that, sort of how you told your story here locally and, you know, probably inspired a lot of us, including me, who watched (laughs) you tell it. I want to do that. Yeah. So, you know, I say my mission in life is to empower women and young adults or young, you know, youth. And so even when I wrote my one woman show, that was the impetus because I wanted to empower people through my story Mm -hmm. and how I overcame all these things that I went through. And so Jeanette Jerzyk is the national director for That's What She Said. And we have a very similar history. She was in acting. She went to LA and now she's in the Midwest. And uh, she came to me, actually, it was the women of the junior league here in Peoria that was like, you know, I'm not sure if that'll be a good fit for us, but you should go talk to Nikki Romaine. So she came and talked to me and this was in 2020 and she talked to me on a Friday and that Tuesday or Wednesday is when COVID like was announced and we had to shelter in place. So we did, that's what she said in 2022, but it was two years in the making, Yeah, you know, Jeanette and I had been introduced and when she came to me, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I would love to do this. This is me. This is what I want to do. And so when we did that first year, it was all people that I selected 
from all different walks of life. And I really struggled with what I was going to talk about because again, here I was in this space where I hadn't quite told those stories. And I was like, oh, should I do this? And I made that part of my story about me feeling like I shouldn't tell this story because I had attempted suicide and, you know, I had been sexually assaulted. I didn't want that to be a plague over me as the executive director. But I was like, you know what? If people don't understand my story and the triumph and the resilience of me, then they're just not my people. Exactly. Yeah. I remember using the word muzzle in your story. Yes. Yes. You helped me so much go through my story and I was having a difficult time over the past year. And I remember sitting down at your table in your office and you're just like, Misty, you got to tell this, but we got to figure out how to tell it. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. And I love that part of the process where I get to talk people through their stories and like, hey, let's take that part out. Let's build here. And I, I love to empower people. So you I hope to that direct. I, yeah, yeah, I do. I and do. you're amazing at direct. it. <laughs> All right. So tell me how you ultimately met Jonathan and decided to start Art Inc. Yeah. So that woman show that I was telling you about, I had moved back to Chicago and I went to this art show and he was one of the artists at the art show. And I wandered into his booth and we just started talking. And at that time, he had this a brochure where he talked about his story and how he had a nonprofit to empower young men. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I want to do. Instead of visual art, mine is performing arts. I actually have this product, my story, my one woman show. And I want to go around and do speaking engagements and do a nonprofit. And that's what I want to do. Can you teach me how to do that? Like teach me your ways. (laughs) (laughs) And so from there, we started a friendship and a friendship that budded into a relationship that butted into a marriage. Yes, that's amazing. (laughs) And so initially, even we talked about doing speaking engagements together where we could talk about my story, talk about his story, and then being together as a couple. Well, I skipped a little thing. So what ended up happening is Jonathan produced my one-woman show for one of the performances. Actually, it was my final performance before I moved here. And he proposed to me that night. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't know that gives me goosebumps. Yeah. I did not know that. He was actually like my producer. So he yeah. did the set design. He made it a beautiful set. One of my friends was the director. And we performed that night. And I didn't know it was a surprise. My whole family was there. My sister flew in from Atlanta, friends from Minneapolis, Texas, everywhere. And they all knew. I just thought they were like there. And they were there for my performance. You were like his little star. He came up (laughs) Mm -hmm. to me the other day when I was at your office and he made a song for you. I mean, he's still Mm -hmm. like very much. Yeah, I think that's amazing. Okay. So then you guys had this inspiration of an idea to start a nonprofit. You came to Peoria. So he was living in Peoria. Okay. So we had a long distance relationship. I was still living in Chicago. So then I actually got pregnant. We were trying to get pregnant and I got pregnant. And I was very apprehensive, you know, because Peoria is a small city. Yeah. And I only lived in big cities. Yeah. Right? If you recall everything I've said, <laughs> only major cities. And so I was very apprehensive. And I was actually just getting promoted at my job. I also was doing really good on the theater scene. And I had my whole setup where my job allowed me to go do my auditions and, you know, everything. And so I was like, okay, what am I leaving? What am I stepping into? So I took that leap of faith just because I felt like this was my person. You know, like Jonathan is my person and... I was willing to take that risk and that leap of faith with him into the unknown, which was huge for me. I'd never even lived with a guy before. Yeah. 
So I came here and all (laughs) before I had Kennedy, my baby shower was in LA. I did a cruise to Jamaica all while I was pregnant. So (laughs) when I finally had Kennedy, it was like, oh, wait, I live here in this place where I know no one. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, that was a really hard pill to, for me to swallow. Sure. I didn't have my friends here. We'd moved my mom here, but she was in the middle of a lupus flare. Oh. So she needed me. Yeah. So the first next six months was, it was really rough for me. Jonathan traveled with art. And so I was alone a lot and I didn't know anyone. And so I would say about six months after she was born, I joined a mommy group. Okay. Through uh, meetup.com. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> it was so awkward. It was like an awkward first date. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But from there, I, I still have some really good friends that have come and support a lot of things that we've done at Art Inc. And then Jonathan was courting the school district and courting Greeley School Building. I didn't even know. Like he saw the building and he, we talked about doing a nonprofit in the space. We have a 15,000 square foot building that we're in now that we live in and that his studio and everything was in. He'd done a lot of events in the community, poetry sets and things like that, art shows. But that space just was too small. Right. Like he took up every part of that sure. building with his whole his whole organization of framing and painting and all of that stuff. So he had been courting Greeley School and just kind of sitting out there. And then he finally came home and was like, hey, you want to buy a school building to do the things that we've talked about doing? And I'm like, let's do it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So he is the visionary. Like he is truly a visionary. One of my mentors put me on to EOS, yeah. which is a system to run your organization. And it talks about the visionary and the integrator. Okay. And he is definitely the visionary and I'm the integrator. Okay. So that's a great partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I say to people all the time in the community, I think what makes you and Jonathan so great together is you're both such big personalities and people <laughs> want to follow you. Right. Yeah. And I think that that is such an important part of leadership because you have such influence when yeah. you're willing to put yourself out there. Yeah. And you both have that in unique ways. So tell me, okay, so you buy the building and then how do you decide what you're going to do there? Like walk <laughs> us through the journey because it couldn't have been easy. Oh no, it wasn't easy. So I didn't even, we closed on the building in 2018 and there was a lot of work to do. And I did not go into that building until like the top of 2019 because it was bat infested. Oh, he okay. showed me. He yeah. walked me through the whole building, the basement. It's like scary. Yes. I was like, yeah, no, I'm not coming in there. <laughs> so he did all of the grunt work all by himself. And, you know, he had a team, but we did a bat stakeout, right? <laughs> because, because he, we did research. And when I say we, I mean, he did research on how to get rid of bats and it talked about how you have to look for their entryways. So we're like on our cell phones. He's in the front, you know, West side. I'm on the front East side. We have one of our sons in the back. And we're so Kennedy's in my backseat in her car seat. Yeah. <laughs> and we're at dusk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was pure comedy. And of course, we never saw any bats. So <laughs> we didn't see where they entered or exited. But be that as it may, we we solved that issue. We called people to see how much that would cost. And it was thousands and thousands of dollars, which is why we ended up doing the stakeout. And we just really sealed up. And again, when I say we, I mean he <laughs> sealed up a pretty much all the entrances and crevices in the building. Yeah. We also pulled out all the fluorescent lights and exchanged them with LED lights. And that actually got us on the course of being green, right? Right. So then from there, our son actually found a grant through the Edwards Settlement Fund. Okay. They were having different organizations apply to get funding. And our funding was about getting solar panels on the roof. And so we received funding for that. That was like our first big funding. So we did that and that allowed us to 
get through COVID, quite honestly. Yeah. So with the LED lights, the solar panels, that brought our energy bill down a lot to the point where in that 50,000 square foot building, our utility bill is like $500. That's great. Yes. That's so great. And the other yeah. thing that saved us is that we do not have a mortgage. Right. We bought the building straight out in the beginning. That's great. So that also secured saved us you. through COVID. Because yeah. if we hadn't done those things, I don't know right. where we would be. So tell me more about your grant funding. Yes. So in the beginning, when you're a self-founded organization in any business, it's really hard to get investors. It's hard to get grants and donors because you don't have any meat on the bones. So what we did in the beginning was we obviously put in our own money, but then we did the State Farm Neighborhood Assist Grant and it was for $25,000, which is small in comparison. But what happens with that grant is you submit to State Farm, they pick their top 200. They pick them. Out of those 200, you have to get votes. And that really helped us out because I went to Adams Outdoor. They didn't know who I was, but I went to Adams Outdoor and I'm like, hey, we're in the midst of this, you know, voting campaign. Can I put a billboard up? Will you help us? Basically, will you you sponsor it? (laughs) And they did. So they put a billboard up. I went on the radio. I was everywhere. Jonathan was everywhere. He has clients all over the world, really. And then, you know, with all my travels, I had friends all over the world and anyone, they can vote from anywhere. So 5 million votes were cast and we were one of those top 50 that made that. And that really spread the word about Art Inc. Like people were rooting for us. It was pretty amazing how people came together like, oh, these people are doing this thing. And so I remember our first grant writer, we didn't get any grants. And then I started writing them myself because no one can tell the story like we can. Right. Right. So when I started writing my own, just small grants, you know, thousand here, two thousand there, three thousand. And it built up my confidence, obviously. So I started writing more and more. And then I brought in more grant writers. But whenever I would bring someone on, it wouldn't click the way I would write them. Yeah. And so I would say not until around COVID, when all the money started flowing for COVID and people wanting to help businesses, that's when I started to bring on other grant writers. But by then we did have more meat on the bones and I had a history of things that I had written to give to them. And from there, we started rocking and rolling in terms of getting those grants. Yeah. So I want to ask more about the programming that you have today and and sort of how Art Inc. is doing, but I want to take a a little slight detour. If there's anybody listening who is inspired by the idea of starting up a nonprofit, right, and what it takes, why did you ultimately decide that was the right path for your career. And I knew you wanted to help people, but you could have done a for-profit venture. You could have done Mm -hmm. a lot of different things. So what sort of set you down that path? I think part of it was we knew that we couldn't do this ourselves. We knew that we needed the community behind us. We knew that, again, investors in an arts organization, I don't know how that would go. And so we just decided this is a community need a community need it's a community organization okay and so we want the community to be a part of it and I would say that's also a double-edged sword because with a nonprofit you don't own it right right so it is it does belong to the community and that's Mm kind of hard because it's like having a baby sure (laughs) and you're like hey community help me raise this baby and we learned a lot in that because initially I was the executive director and Jonathan was the board president and one of our friends was like that's not really how you should do that (laughs) And so we learned a lot, so much along the way. This was like very new to us. Both of us had attempted to start nonprofits in the past and John, both of us had started them, but 
it just wasn't good timing. It wasn't the right way. And I don't think we were both fully engaged with the people that we were in separate from each other. And so this was the first time we were fully engaged, fully into this. And so we decided that that was just the best road for us in terms of what we wanted for the community, the need, and how we saw this progressing in the future. So when you started, talk about the programming that you had available and how it's grown over time. Yeah. So the vision initially was to have artists rent the space, not even rent, but have a barter type of system where the artists would have studios in the building. And then as their payment, they would help teach classes to kids. And so we had this big artist info session and a lot of artists seemed interested. But I think It just took us a while to get the building together. And by the time we were ready to do that, it just it just wasn't a good fit. So we had to pivot. And so initially we opened our doors with our very first summer camp. We didn't have the artist rentals, but we'd had artists that volunteered their time. We started out, we had 64 students. It was the first summer camp was strictly for middle school. So I think it was sixth through eighth graders. And we had coding, dance, we had a filmmaking class, and I think art. Okay. So there were about five classes and it went really well. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. But even before we started inside of Art Inc., inside of the building, we actually, I went to Dr. Karat, who obviously knew what we were doing because we had to do the proposal to the school district. And I said, hey, I want to get in front of these kids and start doing some of the programming that we want to do. And she was like, okay, well, I have a grant that starts in two weeks. Oh my and gosh. so can you get me some teachers in here? So that's when we started our in the schools program. And I had teachers come in to do the same things that we do at Art Inc. And I was actually one of the first teachers. So I did theater actually that first year that we were inside of Glen Oak. We were in Glen Oak and Treewin. I did theater. I brought in some of our sons. They did some classes, uh, just people that we knew to help us out. And so that we could get in front of the kids and talk about what we were planning to do and see, you know, how they reacted, what they liked, what they didn't like, and start building those relationships with the kids. Did it come naturally to you to work with kids? Oh, yeah. So I had done that before. Okay. So as an actor, you take on various jobs. (laughs) (laughs) So some of the jobs that I'd done is I'd taught dance to little kids. And it was like kind of like all over the city of Chicago. I'd also done theater for another lady that I knew that had started a nonprofit in the south suburbs of Chicago. I taught theater to her little kids there. And it just kind of came naturally because that's what I love to do. So yeah, I'd done it before. That's awesome. Well, I know you gave me and my daughter a tour the other day, which was so kind of you because she's big into the arts. And it just seems like the building is full now. It's such a vibe and an energy when you come in there after school. So how many students are you serving today and how many teachers walk us through how it's grown? So our average daily attendance to date ranges anywhere from 85 to 115 students. And that includes our first through eighth graders. They come in, they get help with their homework, and then they branch off and do those various arts activities. So now we have ceramics, we have theater, we have dance, we have art. We partner with a lot of organizations locally. So we have Peoria Grown come in and they do cooking classes with our kids. We have Coding Ninjas. They come in and do coding. The Illinois Math Academy with Prasad. His group comes in, they do mental math with our kids. We have Lego Robotics. We partner with the organization from there. We partner with Illinois State, their extension program. They come in and do like their 4-H program with some of our kids. We do a lot of partnerships because what we've discovered is that it's hard to find professionals in that area in that time frame, sure. right? Because they have to be available between 2.30 and 6. Okay. And most people are either, if they're really out there, they're doing a gig or they're doing this and they're doing that, or maybe they even have a full-time job. Sure. So we we really realized that we needed to partner 
And that also helps those organizations as well. Absolutely. So we're looking to partner with Cornstock for Theater because I have to say our theater program is not as robust as I would like. Sure. Being, it's your you know, passion. It, yes. <laughs> and so it makes me cry at night. Like we have to have a theater program. So yeah, so that's our, our first through eighth graders experience that. But then we also have a component to our program where we have a youth leadership team and it's a paid internship program. And that's through one of the grants that we received. So we have about 20 BIPOC youth which is Black, Indigenous, people of color that come in. They help teach classes. They help with tutoring. But then they also get their own programming. They need tutoring, right? Right. (laughs) So they get their tutoring. They get classes with college help, career help. We help them write their resumes. We do an assessment on where they think they would fit. Do they want to go to college or do they want to do a trade or whatever? And we, we explore those opportunities, but we also feed into them. Like maybe if you want to go. So for example, we did for our annual trip with them, we did a HBCU college tour in Atlanta That's cool. and we visited Spelman, Clark and Morehouse. And some of them hadn't thought, they thought that they weren't ready for college or, but then they saw that ex- they had that experience. It was like, oh my God, maybe I do. Maybe I do oh want to go to college. Yeah. So introducing them to things that they may have have not otherwise even thought about yeah. other careers. Like we took them to a tour to a blacksmith company and they're like, oh my gosh, just, you know, filling their little brains with things that they hadn't even thought about. Right. Like they're like, oh, I want to be a nurse or I want to be a cosmetologist. And that's really it. Or for the guys, like I want to be a rapper. I want to play basketball. I want to play football. And not that those things are bad things, but I just want them to know more. Sure. I want them to experience more wow. because the chances of playing, you know, professional football, professional yeah. basketball, it's really, it's really hard, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So we just want to expose them to those different things. We also do through that grant, it's called Change That Narrative. And Change That Narrative is an initiative that Jonathan started about basically changing the mindset that plagues black and brown communities. So some of the most pernicious things like glorifying gangbangers, snitching, the no snitching policy, all these different things that have been plagued, getting a counter narrative to that. So with the students, the teens that we have, we do teen summits. So the teens research topics that are important to them and then they come up with the questions and I help them with the panel. So I bring expert panelists to come in to talk about those particular topics. So for example, we did violence. We had the chief of police come in. We did school life where they wanted to know why does this happen at school and why does it feel like the teachers are against us? So I'm like, I don't think that's how it is, but let's call in these expert panels. So right. we had the superintendent come in. We had the principal of Manual, the principal of Central High, the principal of Knoxville Center and talked about how advocating for yourself talking and speaking up, talking about what needs you have. You come to us and we'll help you. We talked about mental health. So we had some counselors come in. We had Derek Booth come in from Unity Point. We had some school counselors come in. And so we basically have them lead the way and then we give them the panelists, the experts, so that they can ask those questions. We have hosts come in. We've also done PSAs, which are the public service announcements and commercials. I had a friend of mine that runs a nonprofit in LA. She's a director, but she also runs Women of Color Filmmakers. She came in and did a whole directing program with them. It was a two-week program and we have about six PSAs that they got out of that. So the concept is... When you're about to do something, whether it's like get into a car because your boy pulls up and he's like, yo, come take a ride with me. Right. Right. And I cannot tell you how many times people have either gone to jail or gotten shot because of that one ride. And so the guy's about to get into the car and he pulls out his crystal ball and he looks into it and he sees him laying on the ground shot Uh and the police resuscitating them. By the way, we got the Peoria police to participate in this one particular. And so... The concept is changing your mind can change your life. And so we have about five PSAs that we're going to put out 
that have that concept that we shot with my friend that came out to help the kids direct. The kids did everything. They did the directing. They did the shooting. They were boom operators. They were That's everything. Great. They did the writing. They helped do the writing. I would say Londi did most of the writing. Sure. <laughs> then they started it as well. They did sound and everything. That's so amazing. They, it's their little babies. And that will lead into the next venture, which is a production studio that we want to yes, do. Yes, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> so tell us about that. Yeah. So we're purchasing another building. It's the old Kingman School. And we're turning that into a production studio. So envision this room here is a set and you can turn it into a living room. You can turn it into a talk show room. Each room will be a different set where you could shoot a whole film. You could shoot a cooking set. So our kids would take advantage of this, obviously, because we're already doing that. But then local content creators, local independent filmmakers can come in and utilize this space at the fraction of a cost that they would do in Chicago or or St. Louis or any nearby big city. What's the timeline? The timeline for that would be maybe one to two years. Okay, cool. Well, you were kind enough to ask me to join your board recently. And so I am so thrilled to help with all of this because I have to imagine how life-giving it is. Every day you walk out of that building, you just celebrated your fifth anniversary. Congrats on that. Thank you. So before we leave Art Inc., I just wanted to ask like, in addition to the Kingman schools, are other things on the horizon? Like what do you want people to know about how you need help or how they can get involved? Yeah, I would say some of the biggest needs for volunteers would be that homework help component okay. and tutoring, okay. reading. We have a little library and we had a Bradley student that's really started off our reading program, but this semester was really heavy for her. So she wasn't able to come on board. She did assessments for the kids. And after COVID, we realized a lot of those kids were really struggling in that area. So definitely reading tutors math tutors, anybody that has a special skill. Like we have a retired Caterpillar guy who comes in and does a photography class. He volunteers his time. He loves working with the kids. We have a retired engineer that does like an architectural class with the kids. So if you have a special skill and you have a love for the kids, hit us up. Awesome. (laughs) I love that. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I want to pivot before we talk a little bit more about your leadership philosophies to how you've been involved in Choose Greater Peoria. You were so wonderful to us to volunteer to be an ambassador. And so your story lives on choosegreaterpeoria.org, which I love. You talk Mm -hmm. about the move from Chicago. (laughs) So just talk about why I think I originally reached out to you to be a panelist when we launched this all the way back in May at the Peoria Riverfront Museum. And you told your story and you talked about how you believe in this community and its growth and working with the business community to make sure we're all sort of marching in the same direction because we need talent here, Mm -hmm. but you're also growing talent right here and trying to keep folks here. So just talk about what's sort of resonated with you as we've gone on this journey. Well, I would say first and foremost, you asked me, and of course I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. And when I started to look more into it, I'm like, yes. I wish someone would have told me all the great things that Peoria, because I was like so apprehensive. I wish I would have had some people like cheerleading me to come here, right? Right. Because it does have so many great things. I mean, I know we have some struggles here, but I think if we pull together and which we do, we do work together to make people see that this is such a great place to live. I've lived in all big cities. And let me tell you, living in my car for traffic is not Right. Is not the life. Okay. Yeah. Looking for parking, uh, paying such sky high rents. Like I talked to my friends in LA and Chicago and they're struggling just because of rent. Yes. Like that's, it's sad. I know it's really sad. My sister lives in the Chicago market and just is struggling to find a house, you know, that yeah. she can have for her family. So what do you want for Kennedy? Growing oh up my here? gosh. Well, 
the things that I want for her, the things that we're giving her. <laughs> so she's in, she does ice skating. I mean, we have a really great ice skating rink here in, in Peoria. She does all the activities. She's a part of everything in Art Inc. But I really want her to be a leader, be secure in herself and just explore all of these different opportunities so that she can figure out what's right for Kennedy. Right. right. And so we pour into her, our staff pours into her, awesome. our community, our tribe pours into her. Yeah. So that's really important to me to have that tribe, not just for myself, but for my child. Yeah. And she does, she does have that tribe. Also for the kids that we work with, like to have those, like I just said, having those opportunities to see what's out there and to see that you can do those things and stay right here in Peoria. Totally. So, yeah. you know, having the production studio, showing them, you know, being an engineer, being all these different things. There are so many business local that they can go work at and do those things. Marketing, go work at Samantha. Samantha, exactly. <laughs> I know you guys have like the computer lab and that sort of mm-hmm. thing, graphic design. I mean, there's yeah. so many ways to like tap into the arts. And I Absolutely. know that I know our team at Samantha loves the idea of collaborating with you more. So yeah. we'll keep working And on what that. I also envision for Peoria is kind of an art mecca. So artists don't have to, and I think this is on, the onus is on us, Jonathan and I and Art Inc., but artists do not have to live in those big cities. And I I didn't realize that, especially now, you can create your content wherever you are and then go out to the big cities to market it, to put on your show, whether if you write a play, if you are an artist and you create your art here, but then you go on the road, just like Jonathan, and go across, but then you pour into Peoria, right? So you spend your rent money here, you shop here, you grocery shop here, and then you spend less money, right? And you can raise your family here. You don't have to put out all all the cost of living in addition to the cost of running your business. I love that. And I think the arts, and I said this this week, we were talking about the mural on the back of Mm Samantha's building, that the business leaders banding together to invest in the arts to make Peoria an even greater place to sort of live and play. We do have so so much talent here. Absolutely. And that creative class or that creative culture is like really growing. And I think that's probably a big part of the next evolution of Mm -hmm. Choose Greater Peoria. I agree cool. All right. Well, I know you're passionate about the arts. Thank you so much for sharing your story, but what else are you passionate about? I want to understand a little (laughs) bit more about your leadership philosophies. You talked earlier about how you and Jonathan divide and conquer, but sort of how do you lead both other people and the kids, you know, like what are some core truths that you live by? Yeah. So some of the core truths I live by would be to step outside of your comfort zone. I love to push people. Yes, you do. I like, <laughs> I've seen you do it. I like to see people get, get on the edge of that comfort zone and leap. Like I love watching that yeah. because I like to see that fear, but then push that those words of encouragement and those things that they need to take that leap. I love watching that. It's like, I don't know, it gives me like chills yeah. and it, it fuels me, right? Awesome. So I looked up leadership styles because I don't know any <laughs> of that. You don't live in that space? <laughs> no, I don't live in that. I don't live in the space of identifying everything, the terms of who I am and what I am. I just do it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I looked up and I think transformational and strategic resonate with me. Okay. Transformational for obvious reason, but strategic is more so about making sure that everyone gets what they need. Right to move to the next point. Okay. Right. So yeah, I think those are what resonates with me as far as being a leader. Um, I definitely think that I've made a lot of mistakes along the way in terms of leadership, just because expectations, like I expected everyone to be like Jonathan and I, Mm. and to have that passion walking through the door. And I think I got a lot of disappointment 
Sure. <laughs> in that regard. But it also helped me to see the different types of people in the yes. world and yes. that we rehire and that we deal with so that I can lessen my expectations and just know where to put people. Where to meet them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had the same experience coming up sort of in my leadership journey that I think when we're building our career, we think we're trying to form our teams into many versions of us. Yes. Actually, we're trying to make them very diverse because we need all of those different thoughts and ideas, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. That's great. What would you say has been a secret to success? Maybe point back to something that you really identified as key to your journey that you could offer as a piece of advice to somebody else. I mean, I kind of just go back to taking that leap of faith. Yep. Go, stepping into the unknown, you have to go outside of your circle. Like, At 19, I got in my car, packed up my car, didn't know anyone in LA, and I went there, not knowing anything. And I failed a lot. Sure. But that failure kept me pushing. I mean, I had times where I'm like, oh my God, what is going to happen? Even with Arding, oh my God. But you just pick yourself back up, and the lessons are in the failure. Yes. Resilience, that's Mm -hmm. for sure. And the resilience. So I would say having that resilience and having really good work ethic, right? And following through and execution. Right. Yeah. I love the leap of faith idea because obviously that's very clear in your story through so many times in your life and it can be really hard to do. So congrats to you. We'll get back to the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because I'm one of the owners. Symantle is an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We not only execute killer marketing campaigns, but we help organizations align around goals, audiences, messages, channels, and tactics to create more than campaigns, but programs that align to business strategies. Symantle has 40 years experience crafting positive, engaging customer experiences at every point in the consumer journey. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, head to symantle.com slash blog for more content. You'll find articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, webinars, and more to help you keep learning and growing right along with us. We always end with a question for another. So what's something that you're struggling with right now that you'd love to put out in the universe to yeah. get some answers or feedback around? I would say it still centers around that whole human resources and the expectations. So the expectations of thinking that people are going to be just like you, even though I just spoke on that, I'm still working on that. Sure, you know, It's still a work in progress. And like I said, I have had one of my mentors expose me to a book, The EOS Systems, and it talks about the integrator and the visionary. And so I get like Jonathan and I, Jonathan is the visionary, Jonathan, I'm the integrator, but helping people to understand the mission Mm. and that it will be struggles. Like working at an arts organization is not all fun and games and arts. It's not. And I think people think that. No, there's a whole organizational system. This is a business and we run it like a business, but I think people, Oh, nonprofit, it's floof. No, no, (laughs) (laughs) it's not. This is hard work. And I think the question that I would pose is how do you motivate people to perform at the level that you need them to perform? Sure. Well, I have thoughts on that and I'm excited to talk to you and Jonathan about it. I think that you have such an amazing story and you have a strategy that's in your heads and you guys are doing amazing things out in the community every day. It's about pulling all that together and sort of painting the vision so people can continue to get on the bus. And you've been able to do that so organically. It is so impressive because you don't know how many nonprofit organizations I meet with. 
through coffees and otherwise, and they're all trying to do the same thing, right? In terms of telling their story. Mm -hmm. And you guys have such a story to tell. So congratulations. And I'm excited to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to be a part of your thing. You've been excited to be a part of my thing. So we're just going to keep having (laughs) each other's backs on that. And that's what's great about Peoria is the leaders here really lean into one another and can pick up the phone and call and ask for help. And we've been doing that. I agree with that. There are a lot of people that in the beginning, again, this was not a road that Jonathan and I traveled down fully. And people like Matt George, Jennifer Zamudo, you, Katie McCord Jenkins, so many people, and I'm sure I forgot a few, but those people, Jahan Gordon Booth, Mayor Ali, even Dr. Karat have been so instrumental in this journey with just helping us with that leadership component. Well, and you have made so many of those women a part of my circle. And so thank you for that. And thank you for doing this today. I'm so glad you're here. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marketing Sweats. In season eight, I'm sitting down with leaders from Peoria area businesses and civic organizations to talk about the huge collaborative effort underway to raise up our community called Choose Greater Peoria. We're all joining forces like never before to promote the place we call home, where you can work greater, live greater, and play greater. That's the Greater Peoria Advantage. To learn more about this movement, visit choosegreaterpeoria.org. And if you like this episode, you can hear more at our website, marketingsweats.com, or any of the major podcast listening platforms. You'll find over 70 episodes with guests like marketers, business consultants and leaders, personal and professional development coaches and authors covering a range of topics like B2B marketing, CX, brand building, data, tech, and more. That's a wrap for today. Keep up the good work, friends, and we'll chat soon. 